Thanks to our military and our allies and the brave fighters of Afghanistan, the Taliban regime is coming to an end. We begin with Afghanistan and the dramatic fall of the capital. The embassy shuttered, the flag coming down. Secretary of State Blinken declaring to ABC's Jonathan Carl, this is manifestly not Saigon. These images from Al Jazeera claim to show Taliban fighters inside the presidential palace. This has been, um, I've seen a lot of good shit, um, you know, here and there I've seen people who are, uh, castigating, uh, Afghan men for not fighting for their women, literally just, literally just demanding that people on the other side of the fucking world fight a war for you so you can feel good. Like, amazing. Fucking amazing. Do you know, when the Russians pulled out, there was a three-year-long war where hundreds of thousands of people died. Like, these fucking morons want that just so they can feel you feel good about it. This has been an amazing... It's been an amazing time. You have people who, you know, talk about, like, decolonizing their job for a phone app that loses $8 billion a year. Uh, literally just wanting to recolonize a place. Uh, just so they can feel good. This is literally just so everyone who... Uh, oh, you know, we have an obligation to the women there. We, we, you know, this is sad. Everyone who thinks there's something else, they think that they're not just, they didn't just grow up to be the fucking imperialist their parents are. No, what you're feeling is imperial humiliation. That's the only thing yep. you're feeling. You don't give a fuck about any of these people. You didn't give a fuck about the boys our allies were raping. You didn't give a fuck about the women who were being killed by our bombs. You didn't give a fuck about any of this. What you're feeling now is just the feeling that you have when your team lost, and you won't fucking admit that to yourself. That's it. These people are so fucking brainwashed. I, I mean, it's so... People got mad at that Corey Robin thing when he said 90% of... Corey Robin. Corey Robin. Matt disappeared again. <laughs> That Corey, that Corey Robin thing where he's like pointed out that like pretty much 90% of Americans supported the war in fucking Afghanistan and people got upset with him because of course people take everything personally. They thought he was personally saying like, oh, it was your responsibility to stop it when you were like 12. Like I get it. He put it in like the most combative way possible, but I can't really criticize anyone for that. But his point was that it's incredibly easy to whip up like, Every American, including like liberal educated people who pride themselves on you know, pacifism, believing in a better, more progressive way of life. It's very easy to whip these people up. And there are a hundred different reasons you can get people to cheer for the same team committing the exact same crimes every fucking time. And we saw that. We saw that. We got, we got what 70% of our fucking country wants. And... Most of the, you know, you expect to see like MAGA dipshits talk about how how sad this makes them. It's the fall of Saigon, blah, blah, blah. That's expected. Um, and, you know, of course, they're free to fucking go up over there and kill 2,000 of theirs for one of theirs, cry about it for the rest of their lives, and then buy a fucking pit bull or else they'll kill their wife. But the people in the more liberal quarters... No, we haven't learned anything. We're still the exact same fucking people. We just got sick of it. We've just gotten sick of the wars because we got too scared that even when we were killing thousands of theirs, 
both local resistance, uh, civilians, whoever, and you know, a few of ours would die. It was too traumatic and hard for Americans to even think about. We're still this insane country with an insane desire to fucking invade places and, ch- and subjugate places. And this past weekend, I've seen so fucking much of that. Just as to the comment about um, why aren't uh, Afghan men fighting for their women in their country? I mean, well, it seems like a lot of them are, but they're fighting for the Taliban against us. So, I mean, like, I, like you got, you mean, so you, you got what you asked for there. Let's say that there is like a unified armed resistance against the Taliban. For whatever reason, that's supposed to be good. That instead of just the Taliban rolling through everywhere, every, everyone just kind of surrendering, including Tajiks and Shia who previously fought them standing down, which I think is pretty conspicuous, um, that they do fight. And you do lose 300, 400, 500,000 people. They're not going to win. No one thinks they would win. They wouldn't. Even the most deluded people in the world know they're not going to win. Well, yeah, I mean, like, this is, uh, uh, these people, it's just, it's an endless, uh, an endless series of excuses, but really, as you said, to be start out this show, an endless, an endless series of demands that other people die for their vanity. Right. It's just, and it's all about, I want to feel good all the time. I don't want to think about this. And you know what? Don't fucking worry. You'll forget this shit in three weeks like you do every other goddamn thing. Yeah, so stop sweating, man. Crying. Why don't you speed it up and take a fucking Ativan? <laughs> yeah, just like what? Uh, binge watch Ted Lasso and call me in the morning. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll you'll have your your spirit lifted. Uh, do 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 I think do I think that we should do more for Afghan women? Uh, I'm gonna say if Diane Sawyer asked me on a date, I'm saying yes. That's Ted. That's Ted Lasso talking about Afghanistan people. That show is demonic. <laughs> yeah. I, Ted Lasso has been my favorite show that I've watched uh, since they uh, took out a lot of my frontal lobe. <laughs> it's like it's like the T one thousand version of a Michael Schur show. Yeah, like the most lethal, perfectly engineered version. It's skin crawling. It's like if Michael Shore trained in like the space station where Goku could increase gravity. <laughs> They're like, we we need your show to be like more bullshit and annoying. But just the, 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 the just like you know, following the news this weekend, and certainly like you know, on a Monday when everyone gets back into the office, just I'm um, sort of uh, taking in the tenor of uh you know like the, the media's response to um the you know complete collapse of, of all of our efforts over the last 20 years in afghanistan um i think we're seeing a really like odd and like very clear like break dissonance between the imperial state and like the national state like america as an empire and the people who care about that and run it and then, like, a country that's still dealing with COVID two years into this bullshit. Because, like, I swear to God, the only people who are fucking weeping over this Saigon moment for America are war reporters. It's just yeah. it's journalists. Like, and, and, like, they're all like, oh, this, this, will, this is a dark moment in American history. This is a stain that will last with our national honor forever. It's just like, who are you talking about here? You're like, you're talking about yourself, not everyone else, man. What and, on, and, what honor are you fucking talking about? Are you talking about the parts of our country where it is Afghanistan, but just for young black men? Are you talking about like just the half of this country where like the state vaccination rate is like thirty fucking percent? Yeah, and, and it's doing never going to get better to actually get it to people who would want it. So we all have to pretend that it's it's all mega shitheads who are refusing. 
to forget the fact that we don't have the medical infrastructure to get it to people who need it and want it. Yeah, no, this is this is literally just them crying that they have to reorient their careers in a few years all to pretend to be an expert on another country. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and it's just it, it's been quite a spectacle because like whether you're, whether you're talking about like the entire news media who like if you, if you, if you watched any TV at all this weekend like it was like MSNBC and CNN were like uh, just they were cooking Joe Biden for this. They were mm-hmm. like, you know, how could we have gotten this so wrong? Uh, what a disaster. This will haunt him. It's like you could forget that um, overwhelmingly the people who voted for Trump and the people who voted for Biden, it's like the one thing they do agree on that they don't think America should be in Afghanistan anymore. And like and the, the idea that like, oh, like the consequences of us leaving, like the fact that they the idea that like a regular Amer- Americans and I'm talking about voters here are going to hold this against Biden or are, are like are are fucking feeling the pangs of fucking guilt and anxiety the way like Jake Tapper is right now. I mean, it's like, like I said, there's a, there's a real like chasm here in between uh, the media and like, look, the media are going to fucking, they're going to put the screws to Biden over this. And I just think like the, all of these people who I'm talking about, like the think tankers, uh, the, the, the journalists, like the, the media, the newspapers, like all, like every, everyone who has invested and promoted this war in Afghanistan for the last 20 years, they are all, like by their own insane standards, complete failures. And yeah, it's like, uh-huh. what are they going to do? Like hold themselves accountable? No. What they're going to do is that they're going to hold the American public accountable. And they have all decided that we are lacking both in our commitment to continue this war, but also that we are somehow um, immoral and dishonorable for like not caring about the people of Afghanistan as much as they do. Like that's the point of view of like the, the, uh, the, allegedly like uh, objective media but the partisan media is just going to pick the other president depending on Mm -hmm. the party so like if you're a partisan democrat this is simple this was trump's fault and then if you're a very opportunistic republican who was with trump doing the withdrawal when he was carrying out that policy now says it's Biden's fault. it's great you get to just pass it back and forth and never admit the actual fundamental rot at the basis of the thing but, they're, but if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to be partisan, you can only blame America. We're the only ones left to point the finger. Right. It's I put the, the finger squarely at you, the viewer. Now, at the risk of being unpopular, this reporter places the blame for all of this squarely on you, the viewers. Can we drop that uh, Ken Brockman uh, bit in there, Chris? <laughs> the thing I particularly love uh, about blaming Americans themselves solely for this is when it comes from think tankers who... You look at who funds their workplace, who's signing their checks. It's always Qatar, the UAE, or Saudi Arabia. Yes. So you have to wonder when uh, Sunni, the people we should have gone to war with after nine eleven. <laughs> well, no, like we shouldn't. Have I know, gone of course to war, not. But like, yeah, I mean, like, but I get, yeah, pol- like just political salafism. Just it, it's not cool once it leaves the that part of the world. Once it's in, once it, once it, once you get over to Afghanistan, then it becomes a fucking problem, and everyone's a moral failure for not committing to fight it for three hundred fucking years, probably with the exact same result amidst a population that fucking hates you, and rightfully so. I did you see the thing about how American troops would send out helicopters to get fucking Burger King because they refuse to eat the local food? No, <laughs> I mean that's something they're doing. Uber eats with the <laughs> Chinook. <laughs> Jesus, like Jesus, Jesus Christ! This country is fucking falling apart. This is what we were doing for twenty goddamn fucking yeah. years. Yeah, just absolute and, imperial grotesquery. And the funny thing is, is America. Yeah, they would like to leave. America would have been fine leaving any time in the past fucking decade. The reason we didn't is because it was paid for people. It had a political purpose. It was a reason for it to keep going. 
And now I think we want to answer the question like, well, why now? I think it boils down to Trump had like this genuine desire to push because he was outside of the consensus and blob. He took the idea of getting out of Afghanistan seriously. And so he actually pursued it and he got somewhere. He got a deal with the fucking Taliban. And that created momentum that Biden would have had to put out the stops in order to arrest. Because in those last couple of years, the Taliban was making huge inroads. They were, that's why they were able to take over the place overnight. Because these guys had all been bought off already. The arrangements had already been uh, uh, made. So to stop that would have been a big more investment. So at a moment when you realize nobody's actually paying attention. You can pull out. And like when you look at how dramatic and catastrophic it was, and you're, you think, damn, they couldn't have wanted that. At the end of the day, it still serves their purpose because now instead of the momentum in foreign policy being around, hey, how about we get out of Afghanistan? Now it's we don't want to let Kabul fall again. Yeah. Every new thing will now have uh, the, 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 the momentum now in the public sphere is going to be around where we need to reassert American power. And, then, and now we're not going to be talking about getting out of Afghanistan anymore because we're going to have this this propaganda victory to, to wave around at everybody. It serves the same purpose internationally as the fucking uh, January 6th insurrection serves domestically. A way to press the state forward into imperialism overseas and a greater uh, domestic uh, imperialism uh, here. Absolutely. And uh, and that's why I mean, that's why this is sort of a, a very, very dangerous moment. Or uh, the rest of the world, because you know when you when you see all of these uh, all the like the the side by side photos of the Chinook helicopter in Saigon and Kabul, and it's this Saigon moment, this moment of national humiliation. It's like poetry; it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Ho Chi Minh's a funnier character than we're than we're used to. We really got to get him right. <laughs> um, uh, no, but like, it, it, yeah, this moment of national humiliation, and it's just like, well, okay, once again, like, who's being humiliated here? Yeah, it's like it, it's it's the people who started this war and fought it, and it's just like, is is was Saigon humiliating for the United States because we like you know uh, left in disgrace? I mean, like, no, the, the humiliation is that we killed four and a half million people in Southeast Asia for a war that absolutely never should have been fought in the first place, and but this moment now is like, look, the Saigon moment did not defeat the united states of america yeah like we we suffered absolutely no negative consequences and it's and again we like won most the cold of our, war off that exactly shit. we won our cold yeah. war like like most of our national like our, our actual like blood curdling cold war objectives had been met by the time like the Saigon we, fell we absolutely to begin with. got we got the offensive rebound there after vietnam after we yeah. missed that shot our biggest our biggest like domestic consequence like for the big for the whole picture was that like the army lost some of its prestige for like 10 years yeah yeah they, and they made movies where uh it was it Southern to be a, troop. Walter and then a bunch of people yeah. made up some bullshit about soldiers getting spit on which has literally never been documented to have ever happened one time no just completely fucking made up but what I mean because is it's, like, it's our yeah it was our our tragedy I mean what I mean is like yeah like the, the, this is a you know like a, a big blow to the, the you know the the image of the u.s empire or just like people's belief in it but it like i mean is this really going to uh like hasten the collapse of the u.s empire i mean i don't know i think if you think about it as an american empire at this point yeah like it looks like oh america's ability to be you know the the hegemon here is is threatened but there's no outside force threatening it there's no communism there's no other organized opposition to it uh, within it or outside of it really so 
when we see America falling like this, it's because other places are picking up the slack and, and the global system is sort of equalizing power outward. First, it took out the engine uh, of American industry in the 70s, uh, which, has bas- which hollowed us out as an economy. And we have been, you know, just being, th- we have been the policemen of the world as that's been our function within the capitalist system. But now, thanks to technology, thanks to the world flattening up, we are less necessary. The technology of our military is so detached uh, from like the economy of the United States that it can just float with the global money supply, the petrodollar. And so that means things get worse for Americans and worse for everybody else, uh, but not productively, it seems. Well, I mean, like the fall of America is never going to be like, you know, like no one ever uses the dollar and like the cities are like, in three times the disrepair they are now we're gonna necessarily. E- we're gonna I mean, eased we, in, we're going to get eased into the pot is the thing. Right, right, right. We are being well, eased and, into the pot. Right, and there, there's, but there's always going to be a need for like a consumer base of 300 to 400 right, million yeah, pigs there's nowhere else who, buy all, who, buy, yeah. who buy all the treats in the world. Like no one, there's no, there's we no have interest. A role. There's we no have a role. interest. There's no interest in getting rid of that, no. which is why like, China hawkery is so weird. Yeah. I mean, why would they want to get rid of this? Well, the thing is, is I think they would argue, no, they might keep us on the treat leash, but while also removing our last vestiges of uh, freedom, in the like getting rid of home ownership, for example, making us go into the. We're pods. getting rid of home ownership. Exactly, but they're We're, saying that we got, we did that. That's you, dude. Well, that's the thing you is that their that. answer is uh, go with the a- epic national-based bourgeois who let all this happen in the first place. That's yeah. their only response. Yeah. I mean, you know, for treat lovers everywhere, America will never stop being a nation of treats. Yeah, that much no, is true. Treats will always be there. It's like, guess what? If you get to eat, be in the pod and you get to eat the bugs, you'll thank your fucking lucky stars. I mean, yeah. Or you just already are in the pod. You're yeah, already. No, that's what's the thing. The, what's, what's, what's the you're already between, in the pod. You're just praying you're not going to get kicked out of it. What's the difference between the bugs and the fucking meat slurry you're eating from McDonald's? What's the fucking difference there? There's none. You just like your flavor of bugs. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's all, it's all just, it's an aesthetics. It's like, yeah. what do I want my dystopian, uh, you know, uh, uh, biopolitically controlled uh, uh, neo-bug lifestyle? What do I want it to taste like? Do I want it it's to the- be like epic rockabilly? Do I want to be a neo-trad uh, groiper? You can do any of it. It's all available. It's just two bottom-feeding catfish calling the other one gay yeah it's because we have this cultural ritual that allows us to be immersed in this nightmare that we all say we would not stand for if it just looked a little different uh but we're able to do that because we still feel relatively privileged within it compared to somebody else and we're afraid of losing that and we can go into the culture and compare ourselves to somebody else who is just like us but worse and justify our position well yes i am uh you know I, I have been compromised. I've been turned into this creature of consumption, this powerless creature. But look at these people. They're much worse at it. They're worse at being consumers than me, and therefore I deserve to be here, at certainly more than them. And then you'll, that'll keep you in the fucking pod until you don't know what has happened, until you're in one of those fucking crates that California just outlawed for pigs. I can't wait to see how much... I can't wait to see, like, 50 years from now, like, a trad means, like... um. Oh yeah, no. I grow. I grew. I, I live in a shipping container. 
not not a tanning bed like those cucks in the yeah. city. I have an entire shipping container. I eat grasshoppers like a man, like my grandparents did. Yeah, uh, like the the original promise of American freedom that like has defined us uh, existentially uh, was land of one's own to dominate as one wanted. It's free real estate. And now the very end of America that is completely. Not just symbolized, but encapsulated in like a fucking anime girl decaled AR-15. That's it. Literally a toy. That stands in for all of that liberty that's gone. But the reason you have not rebelled when you swear you would have in any other instance, because that whole time, well, I still have the gun. That means I'm free. Even though the fact that you have the gun means it doesn't matter if you have the gun anymore. Have fun with it. Go nuts. What did we care? You know what I am excited for, actually? I'm going to, when I buy that tract of land Hell yes. in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. And it could just, it could be anywhere there. That's what I'm thinking. It could just be anywhere. You should buy Paisley Park. Yeah. Well, I can't afford that. I've gone there. What about though. like I the, saw, the base? Like, what about like a, uh, the pool house or something? Yeah. Okay. Now we're, now we're cooking. But my point, like that's going to be the Great Lakes, places that like get pretty cold during like the second coldest in america the first coldest are like the dakotas yeah like, no one wa- no one wants that no. i'm sorry i'm sorry read but, the children's blizzard yeah the great lakes you buy that up in 50 years when it's a tropical climate you could just be the airbnb owner to like you know uh chi- like chinese guys who are coming here to see like the last tropical climate in america yeah that's what i'm excited for that's how i'm gonna get a bigger pod you're gonna get the best pod folks our pods yeah. They're going to be wonderful. And the bugs, we love the bugs. Look at them. You go, you go to Mar-a-Lago, and there's just a bunch of different, like, uh, pressed collections of, uh, like, cockroaches under a heat lamp looking like roast yeah. beef. No, it Carve is, that it off is, for it is, it is hilarious, the idea that, like, any American would resist any garbage they put in front of yeah. us. I can't that's, wait. So that's, a great, that's the greatest fantasy of all. That's a greater fantasy than like turning America into a Christian monarchy. I cannot wait for that's the... That's more delusion. I cannot wait for the epic culture war battle uh, between the uh, absolute... the based chads who uh, still epically eat uh, ground-up uh, rats and, and uh, warthogs which uh, is superior to the beta cucks who will only subsist on the uh, cricket loaf. Like that's going to be the level. That's going to be what defines them as based compared to the soy people is that they will, they still eat. uh, I actually still eat vertebrates. Thank you. Because fuck their feelings and yours. Yeah. Well, I've been reading a lot of Adrian, uh, Adrian Zients, my favorite China expert. Oh God, Uh, that guy rules. I love him. Anyway, so China's uh, working on on something that's very similar to the Matrix that they're going to be implementing. Thank God, we need that. Yeah, we, we need, need to that. upload like tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's so. Like, this is sort of a silver lining. The Chads who are eating rats, they're going to be like Tank and Dozer. They're going to be the guys <laughs> who don't have the jacks in the back of their heads. But the rest of us, like all all of us, we're going to have the jacks in the back of their heads because the moment that China like makes us go in the Matrix, we'll be like, yes. I can live in movies, you know, <laughs> and but then eventually, like, we'll get sick of it because, like, they don't update it. Like, you can't change your resolution and then <laughs> can't we'll work together. Yeah. Us and the Chaz will work together like in the Matrix. That's going to be pretty tight. You know, uh, the one the one is out there. The one is probably one of our listeners. It's true. The guy. Who, yeah. The guy who is the best at the Chinese Matrix. Yeah. 
It'd be so awesome if we ended up just vibing in the Matrix after all this. It'd be so wonderful. That would be great. We don't even deserve anything that great. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah the like, machines gave us a fucking yeah. good deal in those movies. Yeah, yeah we're, we're fucking like idiots. We're yeah. just living. We're just living in like a shittier Matrix now. Yeah, like yeah our exactly. Matrix is, is like our Matrix is Ted Lasso. Yeah, like <laughs> what the fuck? No. Yeah, come on. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I think we jack can, me in. I will. I will. I will compromise with the machines if you just like yeah. tighten the programming a few. Like put in some beta patches. That's all living, I'm asking. Li- living in that goo pod is just like, you know, a lot of people out there just don't change their bed sheets. How is that different? At least they flush the goo. <laughs> I expect you, uh, uh, Afghanistan, at least as it relates to like uh, domestic political concerns. I mean, like I-, I said, like if you're if you're paying attention to the media, like both partisan and objective, like it just seems like everyone is kind of putting the screws to Biden over this, despite the fact that like you know this is supported by probably seventy percent of the country. But like, uh, don't you think that like Biden? I mean, like these same people that we're talking about here, like don't you think that they should be thanking Biden more than anyone for like being willing to take Absolutely. the L on this? Yeah, like, Jesus like, Christ, he's taking the L on he's behalf of this every. Shit. Like I'm saying, like he's taking the L on behalf of every American president since Jimmy fucking Carter started all this <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, like, and by the way, they started supporting the Taliban and the Mujahideen before the Soviets invaded yes, Afghanistan. Yeah, um, that is that is the Polak. That is you put a Polak in at uh, yeah. the NSC. Not a good, not good move. Talk about screwing in the light bulb backwards. Like, yeah, like, no, he's taking the L for every American president who came before him. But more than anything, he is taking the L for any president that comes after him, especially the next one, Democrat or Republican. Absolutely. Because, like, wait, remember when Obama did the surge in oh, Afghanistan? Yeah. He did yep. the surge in Afghanistan. By the way, who recommended that he pull out and not listen to the generals uh, when and that was happening in 2011? Joe Biden. And well, Joe, and by and fucking Obama said, well, here's a ball, Joe. I perhaps you'd like to bounce it. And he just yeah. he was serious. And he listened to the serious people, not doddering old, you know, that doddering old ward healer. Fuck him. No, Biden was right. And he wants to affirm that he was fucking right. Or he thinks it is 2011 and he's just recommending this to Obama. And then it ends up happening anyway. That's also a possibility. Yeah. Well, Joe is the perfect guy for this. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. I was talking about this with someone. Someone uh, unexpected told me that they like felt bad for Joe today. And it's like, I see what he means because like, even if you know fully who Joe is, what Joe's done, uh, it's hard not to like see a shambling old man just waltz out there and go, I'm a loser. We lost. It's hard not to feel sad. Okay. Totally disconnected. But you know what? But, He's telling the then, truth. But then, but then I told. But then, no, uh, yeah. Then I, what I realized is like, no, this is literally what he's always wanted and what he's always been. Joe's always been the guy who goes out there and says, "We lost. Yep, I lost. My son died. <laughs> yeah, you know, I fucking lost my family. Feel bad for me. He's that guy. Absolutely, this he's is, a and he was, and he before he lost his family in that tragic accident, he thought. I need to be president. I can be president. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm the youngest senator. You know, I, it's a fucking gilded path for me. And then, you know, all these things happen in his life. And throughout his career, he's looking Americans dead in the faces going, sorry, you lost. You can't declare bankruptcy anymore. Sorry, you lost. I'm sending your dad to prison forever. Sorry, you fucking lost. And now, after he's lost 
so much, him personally, and he's for everything from his loved ones to people younger than him to fucking his brain. He could finally go out there and go, no, we lost. Yeah. This is really, he thought he was training it. for this moment his whole life being young in the Senate or being, or, or being like the most charming guy in college and wanting it so bad. He's been training for this by being a fucking loser. Yeah. And so he's the best at it. And now he gets to do what he's always wanted to do. It couldn't have been anyone else. Anyone. No one could have done this. Yeah. Because he's the one who can make you believe it because he's a fucking loser. He has felt pain. He feels pain as he, he dishes it out to you. As opposed oh, to a yeah. smug fucker like uh, Bill Clinton or Obama, who's like, hey, sucks to be you, bitch. See you on the Obama, flippy flop. I'll be at Martha's Vineyard with my homies. <laughs> Obama could never come out and say we lost. No, no. You've spent your entire life making sure it's other people and not you. Joe has been out there losing. He's just taking it on the chin. <laughs> he fucking plagiarized Neil Kinnock. <laughs> I know. The guy who got the his ass kicked by Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> For like 40 years, everyone was like, you suck, Joe. And he was like, mm. <laughs> Can you now, imagine how yeah. much, how condescended he was by the Obama people? Oh, my God. Uh, he probably yeah. didn't notice most of it because, you know, his brain was already going a little bit. But just what he could have just by animal instinct picked up, like their contempt for him. All those yes. smart, smug young fuckers who knew he was the old white guy who had to be on the ticket to keep the hillbillies in line. Can I, uh, I want to, this is a, this is a rap joke. I don't, I don't know how many people here on this recording will appreciate it, but I think someone out in the audience will appreciate this. And it's, it's about Joe Biden. I want to credit this properly. It's from at NAACP young boy on Twitter. Uh, Biden has an OG 20 years younger than him. He thinks he's Fivio foreign. I'm sorry. That just, I mean, for any rap fans out there, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate that. Yeah, I don't I get that one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know who Fivio Foreigner is no, either. Okay. All right. He's too oh, cool for the room, folks. But, but, mm -hmm. but uh, sorry, we said originally about like, this is, you know, I mean, obviously this is a, you know, uh, a, a great defeat of the America KKK empire that should be, is cause for celebration. But I don't know if it's like a, a defeat so much as like, is McDonald's defeated when it closed a couple of under, underperforming franchises? I mean, I guess in the short term, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess we shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't kid ourselves too much about it. But, like, the point is that these people do feel humiliated and they feel angry and are, like, are probably going to feel the need to uh, prove to the world sometime soon that, you know. Oh, that, yes. That this, that this Absolutely. Is, that this is just, hey, hey, like, you know, this is not, this is a fluke. America is here to honor its commitments. And, you know, we're, we're here. We're, if you thought we lost our knack for promoting democracy, uh, think again, pal. And, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I mean, like, uh, th this is a real like when prophecy failed moment. And like when people come face up face to face with that, like they, they do not they, they don't stop believing in prophecy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, some unlucky nation, some unlucky souls are going to. They are going to catch the other end of Tony Blinken's fucking red rocket lipstick dog dick <laughs> coming for them. I don't and, think and, we're going to see any big extension or like, a, uh, you know, military expansion. Uh, but or like, you know, I don't think we're going to be adding any new countries to the invasion list. But there's going to be some like set piece guy getting blown up somewhere just to, to, to set a point. And I would not be at all surprised if you didn't see a, a no ratcheting up of sanctions regimes. Yeah, absolutely. And attempts at uh, like reaffirming American power in South America. 
Look yeah. forward to uh, look, Brazil is interesting in that regard, since Bolsonaro is making pretty clear his intention to try to get a coup going there to avoid Lula winning. Uh, and the CIA director was just there, I think, a month ago. He just had a military parade through Brasilia. Like mm-hmm. those are places. You got Castillo in Peru. You got you got plenty of places to flex. Yeah, I, I believe Steve Bannon. I believe Steve Bannon um, spoke to Mike Lindell or about Mike Lindell, and he said that Bolsonaro will win the next presidential election if the data packets and machines aren't corrupted. Please, someone, please watch the packets. I um, I, I I would keep eyes on Africom. You know, oh yeah, a, a, a little piece of the American Empire that's already doing fucking awful things that we never fucking hear about. Uh, they could do twice as many awful things and you wouldn't really see people talk about it. But yeah, no, I think existing franchises will be putting out the McRib soon. I mean, like, the, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get, the McRib is back, folks. Yeah. The McRib is back. I mean, but the point is that, like, for, like, for, the, for the people who are, like I said, like, for every, every person at any level of, like, government, think tank, or media that helped author the last, the, the fucking t- two-decade-long nightmare of this fucking disaster. Like they feel, I mean, regardless of whether like it has any bearing in actual reality and it certainly won't, they'll face no consequences for their own personal professional lives and certainly not their own health and safety. Um, but these people, they do feel defeated and like they, they, they feel wounded by this and I expect them to lash out. The thing is I expect them to like, I think the, the thing that's difference now though, is that they're, they're lashing out. I think even more intensely because, uh, they, they, I don't think the American public is following them in the way that in the ways that they're used to, like the sort of Pavlovian conditioning that they're so used yeah. to about Everyone's about waving out. that bloody flag. Because, dude, this country is like I said, we're two years into this COVID pandemic. Yeah. Like, just every community is shrinking. Like, nobody is, has a fucking job. There's, like, their, their kids are about to go back to school during the middle of all this shit. Like, the the idea. That we're just like, oh god, like you know, we just we, we better uh, just let's get let's get the convoy going to to, to fucking the Kabul airport right now. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, we, you know, as podcasters, you know, we've we've received the call, we've received the call to action. We're going. Uh, uh fucking uh, Tyler Ninja Blevins is going. Uh, Hassan <laughs> Piker, uh, Ry- Ry- Riley Reed, Keemstar, uh, Dasher from Red Scare. We're all getting in the. <laughs> we're all getting in the Gary Taseman Memorial Dirigible, and we're doing a, a convoy of hope to the Kabul airport right now. You guys yeah. saw my. You guys saw my favorite guy, right? The uh, the forty two year old British photographer who's like. I want to sign up for the army now. <laughs> yeah, now, now that I'm in my mid 40s, <laughs> yeah. I can safe to say I've never thought about joining the military um, until now. But like, this is that guy's no, me. I love him. The, the, the whole thing. This is just uh, America and Britain, especially. This is the hold me back, bro, of like yeah. inter, of international foreign, like of international affairs and and war and peace. Hold me back, bro. Hold me back from enlisting. Well, it's because like they do feel defeated the same way someone would if like they couldn't get it up for the escort, which is what these guys are basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. No, that's like, exactly that's just it. it. Like they're just like in the bathroom, just like punching the goddamn mirror. <laughs> it's my big dick. I'm ready to fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're uh, they're Mikey doing curls. You're gonna do great at sex. You're gonna do great at sex. Yeah, you got some of these uh, walnuts. I hear they're pretty good for <laughs> you know. Well, we used to, you know, after 9-11, I think we were Dan Quinn. We were actually taking part in the world. We were going around oh, yeah. we were disturbing people with our bizarre tirades. And we were running activities. faster than any white boy had ever done before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now we're like a certain goblin who lives under a staircase in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> 
man, we really were Dan Quinn. We were just yeah. really very self-absorbed. That to this day, it's still cringe. In 2002, uh, at the Salt Lake Olympics, the U.S. before all the other countries, they brought out a 9/11 flag, like a burn flag from Ground Zero. We were so it's funny like, why with are that you shit. doing this, dude? Chill the fuck out. It's the fucking Olympics. We're watching people ski. It's like a guy who had a, like skin cancer and just had to take like chemo lotion. Yeah. Every day for the next 10 years, I had a brush with death. Yeah. It's just like, but you have to like, it has to be everybody else's problem. Yeah. Like, hey, we're just here to have a good time, man. Sorry that our foreign policy didn't directly lead to a fucking massive terrorist attack on your own country. One day when this finally ends, which isn't going to be now, I don't even know if it'll be in my lifetime, but like one day, one day far in the future, when it's totally over, I think there will be like an interesting you know, academic debate debate to be had, like which was the worst like globe spanning empire? Was it UK? Was it us? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I don't think the book is fully written on us, but I do know this. No one has been or ever will be as annoying as we were. <laughs> George Bush say that revenge come. Payback come and we drop the bomb. Load them bombs till the morning come. Airplane come and we drop the bomb. Come, Mr. Taliban, turn over Bin Laden. Well, to that end, I think we should uh, dive into the two uh, reading series for today that I think um, uh, they both come courtesy of the Atlantic Monthly, which is... Of like, course. This is, this is like... The it, North a, Atlantic <laughs> Treaty Organization Monthly. <laughs> this, is, this is... I think both, both of these, these pieces are like the... The the purely purely distilled, just like that that base of uh, like everything we've been talking about, the, this feeling of defeat and this feeling of anger at um, uh, a not just an American public, but like a global human population that has failed them, that has failed to fulfill their fantasies. And uh, let's start with the original, the first one. Uh, uh, this is Tom Nichols. That's right. That's War Room Tom. Writing in the Atlantic. He's in the war room. Yeah, I, lo- I love. It should be rumpus room, Tom. First of all, <laughs> ball pit room, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this is this is his piece in the Atlantic. Uh, headline: Afghanistan is your fault. Okay. Oh, oh, my bad. My bad, dude. Oh, man. Afghanistan Look, I'm, is I'm your sorry, fault. But you know what? The Taliban, they literally wanted it more, okay? I, what, what do you, what I'm not you from want? there. I'm sorry. Exactly. I lack the will to focus as much as they were. Afghanistan is your fault. The American public now has what it wanted. Well, yeah, it's called a democracy, buddy. Yeah, no, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it works. Yeah. Um, it goes here. Uh, Kabul has fallen. Americans will now exercise their usual partisan outrage for a few weeks, and then Afghanistan, like everything else in a nation with an attention span not much longer than a fast food commercial, will be forgotten. In the meantime, American citizens will separate into their usual camps and identify all of the obvious causes and culprits except for one, themselves. And it's like, well, you know, Tom is being, for, for the standards of people like Tom, War Room Tom, is being sort of clear-eyed and admitting that, like, you know, uh, the American people don't give a shit. And that, like, yeah, like we are going to divide off into our camps and we're either going to blame Trump or we're going to blame Biden. But like he says here, uh, all the obvious causes and culprits, except for one themselves. Uh, no, the obvious causes and culprit are, are you, Tom Nichols, you like the people who like made this war happen and, 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 and promoted it for 20 years. And by the way, as long as we're talking about this for the media to just talk about like, 
this is a stunning failure of U.S. intelligence and military, like how quickly, you know, the Afghan forces wilted before the Taliban. It's like, what the fuck were you doing for the past 10 years? You were other than like mindlessly repeating everything that like the U.S. intelligence community and military told you about how ready to stand up they were. Well, Tom was making sure that cashiers said thank you. Yeah, that's the previous work that I kind of know him for. <laughs> oh, and also and also doing yeah. open RP with um, just uh, young women pretending to be his daughter. Remember that? Oh God, yeah. Remember Tom Nichols? He would do. He would. He would pretend. Big cringe on that one. Yeah, there was nah, this, there was this cool. woman who would do bands with him, where he would pretend to be his millennial daughter, and he'd be like. Uh, you know, damn it! Like, you know, if you could, if you would get up before eleven and stop thinking about your damn pronouns or whatever. But like, the woman was like in her, the woman was in her like thirties or something. It was scrim Deeply weird. Deeply weird. You were not gonna act like you know we didn't all like, you know, we didn't all like jack off to that. <laughs> like at least once, or a few times, a little bit. Uh, many Americans will bristle at the idea that this defeat overseas can be laid at their feet. When U.S. forces had to endure the misery of the retreat from the North Korea back to the 38th parallel, parallel, no one made the argument that it had happened because of the voters. No one turned to the American people during the fall of Saigon and said, this is on you. So why would I do that now? <laughs> because you're a cunt, Tom. Because, <laughs> because, it, because it's your you're, you're fault. You're a bad person. Like, yeah, like, yeah, you suck. Like, yeah, because like, you feel defeated and you want to, you're lashing out. Um, much of what happened in Korea and Vietnam, ultimately constituting a tie and a loss. He's like fucking Kevin Klein in a fish called Waldo. Fish yeah. called Wanda. <laughs> fish called Wanda. Sorry, it was a tie. goddammit. it! Winners like North Vietnam. Shut up! I'm telling you, baby, they kicked it in the last there, boy. They whooped your hide real good. Shut up! Um, was beyond the control of the American public. Boys were drafted and sent into battle, sometimes in missions never intended to be revealed to the public. Afghanistan was different. This was a war that was immensely popular at the outset and mostly conducted in full view of the American public. <laughs> what? I, I'm sorry. Wasn't there that giant uh, leak of uh, papers? Oh, well, Tom's going to talk about that later Afghanistan in the Afghanistan fucking papers that indicated they were lying the entire time? Literally the entire time about every part of it? Uh, no, it's like the Vietnam War was conducted way more in full view of the American public than Afghanistan. I mean, like that, that's how the, that's how the military learned how to fucking embed the media to avoid. Like I've said, like in Vietnam, you could see caskets coming home. They they, that's they, true. they that got rid of that. Shit. They locked that shit down in Afghanistan, at least at the very least. Well, I mean, they were able to do that mostly not with any kind of technology or anything or censorship, but just they needed fewer troops. So less guys got killed. And so people cared about it less. Like, that's really the, what it boils down to. Like, it was a smaller footprint, all-volunteer army, and you know what? As a relative percentage of the population, not that many people uh, the population. That's literally kind of the point of a volunteer army. Yeah. yeah. Is that you keep most people from caring really too much. I mean, that's yeah. how we were able to do the war in Afghanistan for 20 fucking years, twice as long as Vietnam. Uh, he says here, uh, the problem was that once the initial euphoria wore off, the public wasn't much interested in it. Coverage in print media remained solid, but cable news coverage of Afghanistan dropped off quickly, especially once a new adventure was launched in Iraq. Yeah, that, that you supported, that you, that you loudly, loudly led the, led the cheer and the call for, Tom. That was um, inevitable as soon as the Afghanistan invasion was inevitable. They, yeah. they, they, they were inextricable. Afghanistan was never going to be enough after 9-11. Not enough good targets. Suffice. Not enough good targets, as Paul Wolfowitz yep. said. 
Um, in post-2001 America, it became fashionable to speak of war weariness, but citizens who were not in the military or part of a military family or community did not have to endure even minor inconveniences, much less shoulder major burdens such as a draft, a war tax, or resource shortages. The soldiers who served overseas in those first years of major operations soon felt forgotten. America's not at war was a common refrain among the troops. We're at war. America's at the mall. It's like, well, one, one depends on the other. Yeah. It's yeah, like if, fuck, if, yeah, if you want the opportunity, if you want the opportunity, if you want the opportunity to be at war in the 21st century in America, then it better then Americans better be able to go to the fucking mall while you do it. Otherwise, uh, it, may, it may get more difficult for you to have that opportunity. Yeah, that is literally what you're fighting for. You are fighting a little for, bit of you chicken fighting, fried. You, yeah, you're fighting for on a Friday night. You're fighting for fucking Hamacher Schlemmer. Pair of jeans that fits just right. He goes on, uh, and he says, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. He says, what the public does care about, however, is using Afghanistan as raw material for cheap patriotism and partisan attacks. Some right and some wrong, but few of them in good faith on every president since 2001. After the worst attack on U.S. soil, Americans had no real interest in an adult conversation about the reality of anti-terrorist operations in so harsh an environment as Afghanistan, which might have entailed a presence there long beyond 20 years. It's like, okay, well, Tom, like, this is your job, right? Like, I mean, you are war room Tom. I mean, like, certainly you were in a position to talk some, some clear-headed, uh, you know, some hard, tell, tell some, some home truths to the American public about how long the war in Afghanistan and counterinsurgency operations would need to last. Um, you did your best, Tom. You did your best. Yeah, I mean, during the time when most Americans really turned on this war, uh, Tom was really, you know, doing his best by going in on the Chick-fil-A cashiers. Nor did they want to think about whether draining the swamp and modernizing and developing Afghanistan, which would mean a lot more than a few elections, was worth the cost. We are the swamp. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? We picked those guys. We're the fucking swamp. Oh, wow. We we fucking totally occupied and dictated everything this country should do. It's really corrupt for some reason beyond our control. Wow, it's really weird. It's really weird how it's enriching all these Americans. You fucking idiot. That is the most insane part. This country, this destroyed country, this Baptist case, we come in with the modern world and a bunch of suitcases and on fucking pallets and we create a structure for them. And then it's like, they're all fucking crooks for some reason. They're all heroin dealing pedophiles. What's up with that? Yeah, if you, if they were surprised by that, if the highest echelons, the people who are planning and executing this war were surprised by that, then that's okay. Then we should have never been there because they're too stupid. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. Like, no, it's. Oh, my fucking God. What is this? What fucking world were you living in? Uh, I guess here, um, uh, maybe it would have been worth it. Or maybe such a project was impossible. We'll never know for certain. No, Tom, oh, we know no, we for certain. Out. We yeah, just we found out. We know 100%. for certain at 100%. You can, like, that's, I mean, if anything, that's why they were able to carry that. That's why the momentum of this war lasted as long as 20 years. Because as long as it was like we still had 1,000 troops in country, we could just be like, I guess we'll never know if it would have worked out. And as long as it made a zillion, kajillion dollars for every fucking defense contractor on Earth and guaranteed American access to things like rare metals and fucking pipelines and fucking heroin. But that was it. It was never building anything the entire time. And the way you know that is it fell apart instantly. The fucking South Vietnamese held on for three fucking years. The Arvin rifles never been fired and only dropped once. They fucking held on for three fucking years before they got rolled over by the North, North Vietnamese. This took two fucking weeks after 20 years. 
That means nothing happened the whole time, which means that nothing you could have done could have changed that because the whole thing could only produce that. From it could only produce uh, giant padded uh, salaries uh, for contractors and uh, war material getting dumped in there to use as fucking toys uh, by our drug dealing compatriots and then a place to just try out our fucking drone program and our counterinsurgency tactics. We essentially did a giant coin uh, thought experiment in real life for all the fucking nerds at West Point to deal with for, for now. I can't wait for their conclusions. Yeah, no, exactly. But like <laughs> the, the experiment's over. The results are yeah. in. And you they know, got like, all they wanted, whatever they could do, they could dictate this place. This is what they did with it. There was no constraints on it because nobody cared, as we've talked about. And like, and that's we the thing, like, favor Tom's, of it. And Tom's complaining about how, oh, well, you know, once the euphoria of like, you know, the initial victory, like, you know, wore off, the American people just didn't care. It's like, well, yeah, they lost interest in it, but it's not like they like cared and they, 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 they didn't care in the sense that they were opposing it. They were or not fucking being prevent- mad. Yeah, Here's exactly. the important thing. They were not preventing anyone in power from doing what they wanted exactly. to do there. Exactly. They oh. did not in any way prevent anyone in the military or civilian leadership of the United States. And to and to that end, we really are all at fault for this fucking situation. Honestly, only yes. in if that, it's our fault, it's because we didn't stop them. Of, yeah, exactly. That we weren't well, able to it. stop it. But it, but it is our is, fault. This is just like his point about the conscript versus the volunteer army. Like, no, dumbass. That's literally the design. The design yeah. is that Americans don't want to think right. about this shit, and so they that you, don't. You could leave it to the professionals, which is the whole point of this, is to get democracy out of foreign affairs, out of military affairs, out yep. of our entire destiny, really. That's yeah. part of it. And it works, which means you guys have a free hand, which means if this happens, it it's, means you literally exactly. got to the point where, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. We got what we wanted out of this place. We've made a deal and we've made enough deals with the Taliban leadership to know that they're going to play ball where it matters when they're in power. So we can leave now. Hell, most American heroin is made in Mexico now anyway. And the fentanyl's from China. I guess you're, yeah, we'll never know for certain because American political and military leaders only tried pieces of several strategies, never a coherent whole, mostly to keep the costs and casualties down and to keep the war off the front pages and away from a public that didn't want to hear about it. Today, many claim that they did not know what the military or the government were really up to, and they point to the Washington Post's attempt to create a Pentagon Papers vibe around a set of revelations that were not nearly as shocking as the secrets of Vietnam, or should not have been anyway to anyone who read a newspaper during the past two decades. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks for letting us, letting us all know, Tom, how unsurprised you were by the fucking Washington Post Afghanistan papers. Yeah. Maybe you could have shared it a little bit earlier. Did I your don't know why these popcorn while watching collateral murder? Is that how not shocking it was to you? I don't understand why these Americans just won't trust us when we tell them about Afghanistan, considering <laughs> yeah, exactly. all the things yeah, I know no, that I right? can't tell them. He's like, hmm, why, why, do, why weren't we ever able to sell our, a coherent whole set of strategies rather than discrete individual strategies to the American public? Jeez, I don't know. But again, like the, this idea that like, oh, yeah, we, we, if only we had sold it better. It's like as if, as if any American person buying it fucking mattered to the outcome yeah. one way or another. Yeah, it's like this. Yeah, this is only on you. I mean, it's on all of us in that we all prevented it from happening. But like all of the, like the failure of their grand fantasy is only the failure of their ideas in the first place. Yes. All right. So I'm, I'm going to skip ahead to the end here. He says a serious people, the kind of people we once were, would have made serious <laughs> choices long before this current debacle was. Upon is that us. what you think you are a serious? Oh, sorry. A serious people 
would um, be exporting Radio Room Tom to Kabul right now <laughs> and yeah. doing a one-to-one exchange program for an Afghan refugee for every American neoconservative yes. war think tank, liberal hawk, every fucking, every, every, all the masthead of the New Republic and the Atlantic and the New York Times op-ed page and everyone who fucking helped make this war happen, we would be doing a one-to-one reverse exchange program for an Afghan uh, civilian for one of them. That's what a serious country would do to prevent something like this happening again. War Room Tom has been announced he will replace the last Jew in Kabul. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I, love the, I love that guy. <laughs> that guy's awesome. They would be trying to learn something from the nearly 2,500 dead service members and many more wounded. They would be grimly assessing risk and preparing both overseas and at home for the reality of a terrorist nation making its way back onto the international map. Instead, we're bickering about masks. We're holding super spreader events. We're complaining and finger pointing about who ruined our fall plans. I'm part of that last group. Spoiler, it's the people who refused early accessible vaccinations. Biden was right in the end to bite the bullet and refuse to pass this conflict on to yet another president. His execution of this resolve, however, looks to be a tragic and shameful mess. It's like, okay, well, then, like, it's one or the other. Because yeah. if, if like all the people who talked about like a conditions based withdrawal yeah. is like it's just they're they're just absolutely They've been trying lying to get to one of those for twenty years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was always going to look like this. Yes. It was always going to be a fucking disaster or look like a disaster at least. Unless we wanted America to hand does. over power directly to the Taliban through negotiation, but that was off the table for political reasons. So yeah. we were gonna leave and they were gonna fucking come in. That's what what leverage were we going to put over them? Exactly. Hey, we're going to do this another twenty years. I know that we've been bleeding territory for the last three yeah. years, but we're gonna we're gonna start trying now. <laughs> I mean, just because look at they, all they had to do was ride into town, and they didn't fight back in most of these towns because they'd already made arrangements. Yep. Um. Uh. And this will likely be a case study in policy schools for years to come. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to learn a lot from this if, if their policy schools are still being staffed by people like you. Um, but there was no version of the stop the forever war that didn't end with the fall of Kabul. Um, we believed otherwise as a nation because we wanted to believe it. No, no, I, you no, you believe that. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Fucking, yeah, no, I don't know who believed that. Maybe um, maybe the people now who are saying, oh, I've always been against the war, but we should, uh, we should reinvade because I feel bad. Th- those few people that, you know, you see on Twitter and shit, but, like, I don't, I don't think anyone was as deluded as Tom was. We believed otherwise as a nation because we wanted to believe it and because we had shopping to do and television to watch and arguments to be had on social media. I love that. That's, Tom, the, I love that's how I, it's designed. That's like, what I, it's I, supposed I, to be. That's what everyone wanted it to be. And like, it's just like I don't know if you know War Room Tom, if you're as familiar with him as I am, unfortunately. But I love the way he's like distancing himself from like these slobbish, stupid Americans who are like whining about their fall plans and having arguments online and posting memes and pointing the finger at other people. That's all you do all day on Twitter, dude. You're just like everyone else, man. And he goes, but before we move on, before we head back to the mall, before we resume posting memes, and before we return bickering with each other about whether we should have to mask up at Starbucks, let us remember that this day came about for one reason and one reason only, because it's what we wanted. That's a very telling last line. Yes, the situation that you're describing now happened for one reason and one reason only, because you wanted to go to war in Afghanistan. I mean, certainly not the majority of the American public. In fact, they're a vanishingly small minority. You're, but you're right. Yeah, it is because we chose to go to war in Afghanistan. And all these people who are talking about, oh, you know, you can't, 
who who can say one way or the other, like, you know, well, what could have prevented this outcome? It's like, no, I can say for absolute certain, had we not invaded Afghanistan after 9-11, that this outcome would be different. I mean, we had an offer on the table from the Taliban to turn over bin Laden and even t- step down from power in d- uh, December of 2001. And they said, nah. Yeah. All right. So if that, if that from War Room Tom wasn't bad enough, this next piece is even more astonishing considering who wrote it. This is once again in The Atlantic. This is David Frum writing in The Atlantic. Headline, the one thing that could have changed the war in Afghanistan. The one weird trick that they don't want you to know. And that one weird trick, had Osama bin Laden been killed or captured in December 2001, justice would have been served in the way Americans like. Fast, hard, and cheap. By David fucking Frum. Uh, And then it just says, thankfully, before he gets into his piece, it just says, about the author, David Frum is a staff writer at The Atlantic and the author of Trumpocalypse, Restoring American Democracy. Oh, my God. No, fuck off. (laughs) Fucking kill yourself. And then 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 the money shot. In 2001 and 2002, he was a speechwriter for President George W. Bush. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Very cool, David. Okay. Oh my God. So uh, I want to, I want from to be dropped into Afghanistan and given like the Hellenic re- uh, uncircumcision procedure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So this is um, David from. Had the United States caught and killed Osama bin Laden? Okay. Sorry. This is one more. Like he in this article that I'm about to read, he advances the crime of perjury. To a new level, to unfor- to uh, yet as of yet unseen heights. Okay, he begins. Had the United States caught and killed Osama bin Laden in December 2001, the U.S. military presence in Afghanistan would have faded away almost immediately afterwards. I cannot prove that. It's only an opinion from my vantage point as one of George W. Bush's speechwriters in 2001 and 2002. So he's just saying, yeah, had we caught bin Laden, we never would have stayed in Afghanistan. Yeah, Either. sure. Well, the, and then it's just okay, like, okay, yeah. well, then why didn't you catch Bin Laden? They had him on the plate. They said, here he is. Or even they said we were going to, they would try him. One way or another, there, was, uh, there were offers on the table when we decided to go in, which means there was no answer we were going to take to get Bin Laden, which means getting Bin Laden was the point. It was never. Well, if that had been the point, then they wouldn't have even made war inevitable. They, made, they did war to blow up the country as the beginning of a bunch of countries they were and, and then like that's the thing up. it's like they they only did it so they could go to war in iraq like yes. you said earlier matt like there was no possible way that we could have inv- like d- done like invaded afghanistan and gone to war in afghanistan and had any outcome given the people who did it with us not invading iraq i mean my god do you imagine a situation where we blow up afghanistan in like a few weeks and we get bin laden and then they put him on trial or something and then we have to just spend all of that energy that has been unleashed by the trauma of 9-11 talking about what happened and why and 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 maybe you know having political dialogues around those issues instead of fixating on a context of global war that we were going to be in forever and a threat that we was that was always going to be over us yeah no i mean like i it's it's weird that the george w bush administration didn't just take the easy victory and end the war on terror when it would have mattered yeah yeah, Strange. because they had such an incentive to minimize the war on terror. They had fucking Tom Ridge out there, uh, like Vanna White with the fucking t- uh, the, the, the threat level before the election in 2004. Remember that? When Tom it's, Ridge. It's orange which, today. It's orange. Yeah, it's like they were they, they admitted later that they manipulated the number, the, 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 the color, depending on uh, 
Bush's poll numbers versus Kerry. In a state, in a they given were, they state. Were, yeah. They really had no desire to to exacerbate this context of, of war. Why would they so, want to do that? So Wrap it up here, quick and go home. He goes here, uh, uh, yet I strongly believe it. The U.S. stayed for 20 years in Afghanistan because first Bush and then his successors got trapped in a pattern of responding to past failures by redoubling future efforts. In the fall of 2001, the U.S. mission in Afghanistan was clear, limited, and achievable. Find and kill bin Laden. After bin Laden escaped, that mission escalated into something hazy and impossibly difficult to rebuild Afghanistan society and remodel the Afghan state. I mean, David, I mean, if only you were in the room at the time, you could have warned them. Had U.S. forces succeeded against bin Laden in 2001, justice would have been served in the way Americans like fast, hard and cheap. Republicans could have campaigned in the elections of 2002 as winners of a comp- completed war and pivoted then to domestic concerns. Like oh, yeah. Enron. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, why, why, so why didn't the Republican Party pivot to taking care of America when they could have um, transferred trillions of dollars of wealth into the hands of private uh, firms and their friends? Yeah, I would really love people to start talking about, like, Ken Lay in 2003. Yeah, no, they would have loved that. If only, if only Bin Laden hadn't just, just you know, slunk away through the mountains of Tora Bora, they could have spent all that money of the war on terror on fixing our roads and bridges. They could have gotten compassion. They could have given us health care. Yeah, we could have gotten health care. If David Frum is really this stupid to believe this, <laughs> you have to put him down like Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, I wish he was this stupid because he's not. Be like, it would be no. a matter of time before he, like, fucking french kisses and outlets yeah. or something but the reality is he's a disgusting liar absolute he's pig. A disgusting fucking Swine liar man. one of the worst pieces of shit with a byline uh bin laden's survival doomed any idea of pivoting back to domestic concerns without a killer capture of bin laden to show the swift overthrow of the taliban government seemed very much a consolation prize the road open to the Iraq war. Oh, it did, did it? That just happened? <laughs> and I know he, uh, that was like, unfortunate, like, David. And he, he admits it in his own language where he said uh, the collapse of the overthrow of the Taliban government seemed like a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, it did to you and the project for the new American century. Yes, like I said, that was, Wolfowitz, that, that was Wolfowitz's in a memo said, like, we need to start looking at Iraq. There hasn't there aren't enough good targets in Afghanistan. That, yeah. was, other Rums, that was other Rumsfeld or Wolfowitz in one of their famous memos memos but the idea here that like oh the road to iraq just opened up no this is what you personally david from were counting on from the fucking minute you saw that plane hit the, the tower and let's be honest probably quite a bit before that <laughs> oh 100 percent. And, and yeah no since the 90s or maybe even before but um the uh want to rewind a bit to david from lamenting that they never got to do compassionate conservatism well we saw a preview of that amazing program that they had laid out in uh 2004 after uh bush had won re-election uh his amazing domestic plans that we would have seen more of you know if we uh, you know whatever happened with bin laden if you know that had been in our control at all it was to privatize social security yeah, that was the grand domestic program that we missed out on. Yeah, that was his big second term hail mary. That and immigration reform. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he goes here again. This is only one man's opinion. Yeah, the, the opinion of someone who wrote the axis of evil speech that like helped start the fucking war. and the phrase we don't want a smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud. Those were your words, David. But it's just you know just your just one man's opinion. 
He goes, but I don't believe Bush was yet committed to a ground war against Saddam Hussein when he delivered his axis of evil speech in January 2002. Oh, you don't? That's why you included Iraq in the axis of evil. You just, oh, I, I didn't know he was, com- I just, I, you know, it's just, uh, you know, anything could have happened at that point. Who could, you know, history is so odd like that. I would shave 30 or 40 years off my life to, like, give him a disease. <laughs> That speech identified Iraq's weapons potential as a deadly serious security threat. It said the same of Iran's and North Korea's weapons potential, and Bush had no intention of fighting either of them. There were, and yeah, because he, he didn't have any intention to because we got our, because <laughs> Iraq became such a fucking disaster. But believe me, if Iraq had gone as swimmingly as you people thought uh, the overthrow of the Taliban went, then you could bet Iran would have been next on the fucking menu for these ghouls at 1,000%. He goes here, and Bush, uh, there were, there were in many ways to address weapons potential short of a ground war, whether sanctions, sabotage, or airstrikes. Oh, what about the weapons inspectors that the UN sent before the war? That, 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 that's not an option, David? Because, you know, they, they were the, the ones who all said he didn't have any. Yeah, but they God, were this makes pussies. Me, it's just, Those guys I, were fucking pussies. I'm with you. Like, Felix, reading this specifically from David Frum, like, this makes me so fucking mad. Like, yeah. I, like, I, I, just, like, I can't even really say, because <laughs> I don't want the FBI visiting my apartment, how I no, feel about no. this guy. And you should be allowed to threaten a Canadian citizen anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, as far as I'll go specifically are, like, things that science has not yet invented slash, you know, I haven't unlocked these secrets at the temple, the uh, meditating so hard that you can give someone cancer or whatever. I would like to see him deported. There's a ton of other things, but yeah, we're not going to say it. We don't want to be visited by the FBI, but like, I know there are like way more, there are people who've done a lot worse out there in the world, but just as far as like this fucking alcoholic bloated faced piece of shit, pufferfish cunt who I have to see all the time, who gets to write these articles, who gets to write fucking 10 books in five years called like Trump catastrophe. I just I fucking hate him so much. And like here, and so here's much. I don't think there's any media figure I've ever hated as much as this fucking dishonest cunt who is not, just pretending he was a bystander to all this. Yeah, and here's the thing: it's it's pretending that he was a bystander. And what's what makes this so fucking evil and and like repellent is just how dishonorable he is. Because look at a guy like Rumsfeld, an arch fucking ghoul villain like Rumsfeld who died at 88, surrounded by his loved ones, never once feeling a moment's fucking guilt over the Iraq war or coming close to even, let alone apologizing for it or saying, mm, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Or John Bolton now, the men that this worm David Frum served as a speechwriter, I mean, like, they, they still believe. They still believe in the fucking wars that they started. Whereas his, his, his half-assed way of distancing himself from it and pretending like there was another outcome that was conceivably possible working for these men, it's just like, it's, it, he has no honor. He, he will not be among the honored dead in Stovokor. He, yeah, he is in no edition of the Book of Life. Uh, continuing here, he says, yet in the year after that speech, I mean, the one that you wrote, I mean, I, I, who edited this fucking piece? Yet in a year after that speech, the decision for war coalesced. Something had to be done against Islamic terrorism that was not Afghanistan. The Iraq war became that something. A strange dichotomy split the U.S. foreign policy elite. 
Prominent figures in the Bush administration, Vice President Cheney, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, wished fiercely to escape Afghanistan. This wish was partly because of their determination to finish off Saddam Hussein, but it was also a policy preference in its own right. For what little it was it's worth, that's how I personally felt at the time. However steep the odds against a stable future for Iraq, that urbanized and literate country was more promising terrain for U.S. strategic goals than hopeless Afghanistan. They didn't fucking want us there either. You fucking cunt. God damn. Like, it's just the way in which oh he thinks God. he's being like, he's both trying to exonerate himself and like, uh, you know, speak some, speak some real truth about, you know, I, I, this is what I felt at the time. It's just like, That's, okay, well, you, did you say anything? Did you do anything? He feels bad, but not in the sense that he thinks he did anything morally wrong. He won't even go that deep. He feels bad in the sense that like people may be mad at him for it. Yep. That it's just a fucking repulsive. I mean, I guess, yeah, you, you've earned your American citizenship. That's, that's what this country is fucking filled with. Welcome. I'm just going to skip ahead. Now, now, now just complete the cycle and just fucking get addicted to opiates and bleed out. Skipping ahead to the end here. Uh, maybe the most important lesson to take from the outcome in Afghanistan is the steep strategic cost of America's fierce partisan polarization. Decisions in Afghanistan by Republicans and Democrats alike were driven much more by domestic political competition than by realities inside Afghanistan. George W. Bush couldn't afford to quit Afghanistan when he should have early in 2002. John Kerry and Barack Obama were compelled to overpromise about Afghanistan despite their own misgivings. Donald Trump backdated a debacle because he wanted a seemingly cheap win for 2020. Through the Cold War, the U.S. found methods to manage foreign policy that rose above party. Yeah, the military-industrial <laughs> complex, <laughs> the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. yeah. Say say what you will about the Phoenix program, but there are handshakes and smiles from across the aisle. Um, since 1990, the U.S. has succeeded less well at this essential nonpartisan task. I mean, it's just like yeah, it's getting harder and harder to remove our foreign policy from democratic consent. And in the 21st century, even worse than that, we are surely headed for another vicious round of foreign policy partisanship after the fall of Kabul. For five years, pro-Trump voices have championed protectionism, isolationism, and the betrayal of allies such as Estonia, Montenegro, no! and the Syrian Kurds. No! no! I swear right now. Are you hearing this? You know what? If you only read David Frum, you would never know that anyone in Afghanistan besides Americans ever fucking died. You would never fucking know that. You would have no idea. Because they are, it's just not even, it's not even that they're like lesser people to him. They just don't fucking exist. None of these fucking people exist. His guilt that he feels over any of this, again, it's not centered even in the idea of an Iraqi or an Afghan, anyone in Afghanistan dying. It's even as an abstraction. Even as an abstraction. It's just nothing. It's nothing. It's not even fucking numbers on a paper to him. That's why he can just instantly jump from all that this passive voice nonsense about the axis of evil and the fall you know the failures in Afghanistan to the greatest cause which is partisanship <laughs> over foreign policy what a fucking piece of shit what a fucking monster people are mean to me on twitter yo, but like but like yo for real though on god if anyone fucks with montenegro <laughs> it's on sight it's on yeah. sight yeah you do not fuck with them yeah i will i will exchange icbms over estonia <laughs> Um, Talon, Talon Froze, shout out. We got your back. Any of our listeners in Talon, let you know. Over the uh, he got he, he got canceled, Talon. <laughs> <laughs> Over the next week, 
pro-Trump critics of Biden will astonish the world with their shamelessness as they convert from attacks on endless wars to laments for the last helicopter out of Saigon. That shamelessness will prove more effective than it deserves to, but less effective than it needs to be. Oh, you're fucking telling me the shamelessness works? You're fucking telling me. The brave lives lost in Afghanistan, the money squandered there, those will haunt American society for a long time. Good, uh, good thing you're a Canadian, David. I mean, no ghosts in your fucking house. Um, but the new possibility is open for the United States. The freedom of action recovered, the future waste now prevented, those will be realities too. The material, economic, financial, and moral assets that make America strong, the United States still possesses all of those. The domestic political dysfunction that leads to politics instead of policy, that and not the iconography of helicopters out of Kabul, that's the weakness to now overcome. I would like to... I would like, I would like I would your li- garage to be overcome <laughs> with exhaust while you're trapped in it. I would, I would like to um, basically like, like uh, put him in a harness, attach it to a crane, and then like slowly lower it like an inch at a time into one of those like hog legumes in North Carolina. I would Carolina. like to see that, I think. I, think I, would like, I would like him to be left to the Wigsit Taliban, whatever the equivalent is in Alberta. Well, like I said, like it... it all, like all of these people that, that are so anguished over this and just they want to help Afghanistan so much because they feel so bad about you know, America leaving. I, re- I reiterate my one-to-one visa program, David Frum, for like a hundred Afghani civilians. Yeah. We, we get rid of his visa, give them a hundred U.S. visas. I'll go this far to say picked at random. Any of them worth more than David Frum. I mean, shit, even if you're talking about the commanders of the Taliban, at least they know how to win a war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. They what would, what they do would, you do, they would, dude? They would write way better articles. That's for damn sure. God. Well, yeah. I just What, uh, a, what a fucking slug. I, I got just it. a crawling little fucking garter snake on the ground. Just a little fucking slimy creature. Uh, I got I to gotta, I gotta end the show before, before I get in trouble. Yeah, it's so it's so revolting. What a fucking cowardly little worm these all these people are. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Look, if you want to say it's every American's fault, I agree. But so, certainly some more than others. And like you better swallow that pill, too. And, and that pill better be. Pipsy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to say here. I mean, if you just, are I, if I, you are preparing food for David from in the future, please, <laughs> I, I I would like to say though to end on a kind of just hilarious note. Think about this: so Trump clearly wanted to leave Afghanistan because he has that primate sense of what people like and what would make him look good, and he knows getting out of Afghanistan is one of them. So he pushed for it and he made real progress. But at the end of at the end of the moment. Or at, at the at, before he could pull the trigger, the fucking generals got in his ear and told him he'd look like a fucking loser if they did what they're doing now. And because he's a fucking coward, he he fucking bitched out. Biden, who yes, does not care about looking like a loser, it's who has embodied being a loser his entire life. When he's there, it's like, yeah, I said it in 2011. We're doing it now. They or it is 2011. Whatever, we're doing it. They say, no, no, you'll be a loser. What, who are you talking to? You're talking to Joe Biden. He didn't care, which makes him more based than Trump. He's but, a thousand times more based than but Trump. But of course, now, though, Trump, who we assume is going to run for real, a re-election or reinstatement in 2024, he gets the best of both worlds now. 
he gets to get credit for being anti-imperialist, being against uh, forever wars in Afghanistan, but also say, I would have done the same thing, but it would have gone better. <laughs> I no, liked, uh, his statement said, he said like, he was like, the, the Taliban would know that this wouldn't fly under my administration. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're gone, but don't take over the country. Or I'll be really mad. Uh, yeah. It's like, I like dude, that he, guy, that guy Miley just did peekaboo to you and he spooked you. Just admit it. That's what happened. Yeah. I did you see his thing where he said that like um I kind of agree with him where he's just like we should like give priority to civilians before the military yeah. evacuating. But like his reason for that is like just be, they did a bad job and so they're in Southwest Boarding Group C. <laughs> <laughs> like, Awesome. Yeah, he just released a statement. It's not that we left Afghanistan. It's the grossly incompetent way we left. Yeah. So he gets the, be the best thing in his life is when he gets to say, get credit for something without actually doing anything to make it happen. This and now it's literally his successor. Yeah. And he gets to come back into office and go, thanks for loosening the jar for me. I'm done. No. Yeah, this is a pretty good day in his life, yeah. I will say. But like also, um, this was a great day in Biden's life. Absolutely. He feels vindicated. He doesn't feel like a loser. I mean, he does, but like that's winning for him. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. He's like, that's right. He really is Irish. I'm, he really I'm taking is Irish. It. I'm taking the pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> damn, dude. Loves being miserable. <laughs> he, he can't get yeah, enough of it. A real Irish man. Like, damn, uh, dude. We're, 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 yeah, that's how committed he is to the bit people. of being Irish. Yeah. Just like the things that have happened to Joe Biden, if they happened to me, I would just give up. Yeah. But he's like, Nah, we're gonna we're, we're rolling, baby. That's a, that's America, damn dude. You know, it really is. It really is. All this bad stuff happened to me that wasn't my fault. I did all this bad stuff that was my fault. I feel fine. Yep, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're an American, you have no reason to feel bad because, like, like I said, at the end, even according to David Frum and Tom Nichols, it's like 2,500 soldiers died. And like, certainly, oh, like we're not going to sign over the constitution to the Taliban tomorrow. Like, so for anyone talking about how tra traumatizing this is, it's just like, you don't, you, you never cared about any single human being in Afghanistan. You don't kill, you don't care about any other human being in the world other than outside your own vanity. And it's just like, it was never our country to fucking give away or take in the first fucking place. So get over yourselves and buck up. All, of, all of this performative weeping and rending of garments is, is fucking offensive. And I and I and another credit to the dark Machiavellian genius of Pain Pig Biden is that uh, he did this in a way that maximized cruelty but minimized political risk because by letting the Taliban just take over overnight he does take this short term hit to his credibility and all this and, and his macho chismo and all this bullshit but nobody's gonna remember in two weeks uh, no, he knows what country this is the only Joe way the, the only way is. this becomes a a, a prolonged political story is if he lets in uh, any significant number of Afghan refugees. So by just letting those people to their fates, you guarantee that this is a two week story. So yeah, he's still no, got some moves. The old, the old desert Fox. Well, I no, mean, don't know, worry. It, we, we, we won't activate anyone's trauma by letting these people in. No, don't worry. The yeah. visa, the visa process is still 14 fucking steps. And you know, you know, um, and, and in Biden's defense, you know, I mean like, it's not like there's enough available space and resources to accommodate a few hundred like thousand just, people in America. We're absolutely I mean, full. We simply can't yeah. do it. Yeah. No. I mean, did you see that census where like two thirds of the fucking counties in this country are just shrinking like just fucking grapes on a vine? Feeling fine. <laughs> he, man, he is the man for the moment, isn't he? Yeah. He really is. He really God. is. <laughs> 
Uh, we could all we could all learn to be like him. We're gonna need it. It's true. He's having a great time. <laughs> you see him driving <laughs> no, no around matter, that uh, no that car yeah, in front no of the White House. They let him get behind the wheel of a little truck. He was zipping around. Yeah, it's a great message. Like no matter what happens in your life, you can get in the car. You can have a like beautiful St. Patrick's Day party. You can have ice cream. It's fine. No matter what happens, you can drive like your dad inside a clo- in, in an enclosed area where there are no other cars or people on the road. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that, yeah, that, that, that's, a good, that's a good message to leave. It's like, no matter what happens, we can all still go get an ice cream cone, just like Joe. Yep. No, he's beyond even FDR. I see what people mean now. Like, yeah. damn, dude, he's... <laughs> Fuck, he's like... Um, he's in a mental wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, His yeah. brain is sitting down. <laughs> he just, he represents us in a way that like no one else could. I'm sorry. I get it. I can't wait till they run him again. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Fuck it, who cares? Who cares? By the Nobody way, has any better idea. <laughs> yeah. By the way, what, Kamala? Yeah. Fucking By the get way, I serious. Was, I was going to bring it up. Um, this is um, from April of this year. Um, Kamala's people planted a piece in Politico, like just speaking to them. Vice President Kamala Harris confirmed Sunday that she was the last person in the room before Joe Biden made the decision to pull all U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. In an interview with CNN's Dana Bash on State of the Union, Harris was asked about being the last person in the room regarding major decisions, something that Biden said is as important to him in his working relationship with the vice president. Harris confirmed that that was the case regarding the move to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan by September 11th. She was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I just let be- people know that was all on me. And it's like, you know, you know what? I hope she's right. Good for you, Kamala. This will end up like hurting her somehow. Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna, oh, it's gonna annihilate her. But like <laughs> yeah. Biden, Kenny, Kenny operator that he is, he was like, yeah, Kamala, you, you deserve a victory. Why, why don't you just uh, crow to the Politico people? This is your idea. I'll let you have it, ma'am. He is <laughs> such a piece of shit. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna. It's only gonna benefit him, and it is gonna sink her even further. Yeah, like a fucking rock. Oh my god, we, uh, he's uh, he's us. Even though his brain is gone and like <laughs> everything bad that could happen in your life did happen to him, he's still like, ooh, time to pull some Irish tricks. <laughs> <laughs> time for some little leprechaun hijinks. <laughs> what a fucker! I love. Him. God. <laughs> Look, he's. It's very funny to think that. Like the alt right created this concept of like a based politician inspired by Trump, but he's not based. Joe Biden no. is absolutely based. He does what he wants at this point. He's not being he, cowed by anyone. When he told Pete, he was like, "Hey, I think uh, there should be a three dollar per mile tax <laughs> on all cars." Uh, but why don't you have this one? And like Pete, like stupid fucking ambitious fucker he is. Yeah, I, I came up with this. <laughs> Oh, my God. Just, no, don't even have an election. Keep him in for the rest of his life. See how long we can keep him alive. We're living in Warhammer. We might as well just accept it. Put him in the suit. Have him uh, fight with the Space Marines. (laughs) Good good looking Space Marines. (laughs) Oh, boy. Salute the Space Marines. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, leave it there for today. Mm -hmm. Um, Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world. 
and an Air Force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so did, not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. So what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the the North Vietnamese army. They're They're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That the jury is still out. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely.